יום רביעי, אנגלית, שיעור 176, שעה ראשונה, ריגול בבית אחאב, הרב אהרון אדלר. בוקר טוב, בוקר טוב. בוקר טוב, ברוכים הבאים ל-this year's uh, English language section of the May Yun. במכללת הרצאג, הרצאג קולג' וישיבת הר עציון, believe in the Mishnah, אלו נאמרים בכל לשון. The Torah, Torah can be studied in all languages, and uh, particularly welcome all those who have come from abroad to study Torah here at the yeshiva. We're going to conclude the shir today, as all shirim of the first section today, with a perak tilim. Kedosh Bukhu should be on the side, all of our chayalim. Kedosh Bukhu should send refuah shleima to all the p'tzuim. Kedosh Bukhu should send tanhumim to all the families who are currently sitting shiva, getting up from shiva, and will be and will be with broken hearts for the rest of their lives. Am Yisrael has never been so united, people say, since Melchemet Yom Kippur. And um, I, I just pray that uh, the Achdut will continue in better times. So we're going to talk about a Sefer where the last thing in the world was Achdut, that Sefer Malachim. <laughs> Espionage in the home of Achav. So for starters, I, I went to Wikipedia because without Rabbeinu Google, you can't move. <laughs> Shlita. <laughs> so Wikipedia defines espionage as follows. Espionage or spying involves a government or individual obtaining information considered secret or confidential without the permission of the holder of this information. Espionage is inherently clandestine as it is taken for granted that it is unwelcome and in many cases illegal and punishable by law. Espionage is primarily for military purposes. Spying, however, involved corporations is known as industrial espionage, as we know today in the high-tech industry. Infiltration of the enemy ranks is one of the tactics of the spy. Bring back information. Occasionally his mission is to locate dissidents within the enemy ranks, and more important, perhaps, to influence them to defect. The planting of, of a spy or an individual, an agent, uh, behind enemy lines in order to be influential in some way or another is the thrust of today's talk, espionage in the home, in the house of Achav. The story that is about to be unveiled is a non-military espionage situation. So if you thought this was going to be a 007 James Bond, try another sheer. Heroic attempts to halt the spiritual slide, which began from days of Yeravam ben Nevat in the split kingdom after Shlomo Melech's demise. And this spiritual slide, which achieved rock bottom, in the intolerable levels at the end of Achav and Izevel. This is where the scene will open. It revolves around our man in Achav's palace, or better, Elio's man, 
which equals HaKadosh Baruch Hu's messenger in Achav's palace in the person of Ovadiah. Ovadiah, Ovadiahu. The drama opens up actually as a postscript. If you take a look at source number one, which is from Malachim Bet, Perik Dalid, the Isha Achat, Minishay Bnei Hanaviim, Tsaaka El Elisha Lemo, Avdecha Ishi Meit, Vata Yadata, Ki Avdecha Haya Yirayat Hashem, Vanoshebo, Lakachet Et Shnei Yaladai Lo Lavadim, Vayomelo, Vayomel Ele Elisha, Maya Selach, Hagidi Lach, Maya Shlach Babayit, Vatomer Ein Lishevatcha Kol Babayit, Kiim Asuch Shemen, Vayomer. ויאמר, לכי מכי את השמן בשלמי את נשייך ואת ובנייך תחי בנותר. Very, very local story. A woman, an almana, a widow, her husband was part of the grouping called B'nei HaNavi'im, students of Nevi'im, of prophets, begged to Elisha, Hanavi, and says, you were acquainted, you knew my husband. He was a Yirei Hashem. Uh, I'm in s- steep debt. The creditors are coming to take my children. And, and, and I am desperate. And, and Elisha asks her, so, all right, so what do you have in the house? What can I do for you? What do you have in the house? She says, I have nothing except a little jug of wa- oil. And Elisha uh, says, all right, go to the neighbors and stop borrowing vessels, kelim. And when she does that, uh, she's instructed to start pouring out oil into the kelim, and more and more and more oil keeps coming out until the supply of borrowed kelim comes to an end. By Yamoda Shemen, the Shemen comes to an end. Do not confuse this with the Nespach Shemen of Hanukkah. You may think that what's the big deal of Hanukkah? It already happened. So it's a shear in itself, but this is a quantitative miracle. Whereas in Hanukkah, the, the nest, the miracle of the oil, was a qualitative uh, miracle. Uh, there was no increase in the quantity at all, but the, rather in the density. And that makes tremendous halachic implications for the Hanukkah story, which we're not going to do now. So this is, this is very, very different. And ultimately, the Isha Lukim, uh, Elisha, instructs the woman, all right, now you have plenty of oil, go sell it on the open market, and you'll be able to feed yourself, your family, redeem your, your loans, and um, everything ends happily ever afterwards. The very, very important questions that must be asked when seeing such a um, section. Number one, the identity of the woman. Who is she? Who is the husband? She's not given a name, but obviously her husband was important. The question is, what, what, why is this significant that the husband was one of those B'nai Hanaviim? Um, and if just would have been any other person or any widow who came to Elisha with a question. And why was this woman stricken with famine? What happened here? What's the background of this story? Did this just happen? Well, we know from the end of Malachim Aleph that uh, 
Eliyahu Navi said that there would not be rain for three years. Indeed, there was famine. But many, many people suffered from famine. And why did she particularly think that Elisha was the address? The next question is, what, what, um, why the solution a miracle? There are many, many ways that a Kadosh Baruch Hu can help an, an individual pull out of uh, poverty. The question is, why was this done in a miraculous way? And furthermore, why was this miracle uh, done in, in a hidden manner? Uh, nobody would know about it. It would be behind the doors. Behind the doors. And uh, only was given publicity when this was incorporated into Tanakh. No uh, press conferences were called afterwards to, to brag about the fact that uh, she got all this oil, received those oil miraculously. Well, number one, in source number two, we learn from Rashi. And Rashi here is uh, basically um, referring to many, 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 many traditions in the Midrash that we do have the identity of this woman. She is the wife of Ovadia. Rashi says in source number two, It was the wife of Ovadia. Wherever you find the phrase in Tanakh, Targumo, the translation is They are students of the Nevi'im, which means they are in preparation of becoming a Navi. The insinuation is that he wasn't a Navi himself. This is very important. He was not. There are many people joined the ranks of B'nei HaNavim and never made it. And without going into the whole discussion between Rambam and Levi, how you become a Navi, but if you only ended up being B'nei HaNavim, that's pretty good. In Yiddish we say, that we should, Kadosh Baruch Hu should say about each and every one of us. We're not there even. We say we're not Navim, we're not even B'nei Navim. We'll see, we'll see, don't jump, don't jump, don't jump. You try to do that in the movies, right? That's right. <laughs> Just patience, please. So Rashi says, it is Eishet who we are acquainted with back in Malachim Aleph, Perak Yudchet. We are acquainted with him. And we also are acquainted with who the creditor, who was pressuring. And Rashi continues, the Noshe was Yehoram ben Achav, the son of Achav. Sheya malveu beribit. What is this talking about? So if you jump to source number four, which takes us back now to Malachim Aleph, Perak Yudchet, Vayikra Achav Elovadyahu, Asher Al Habayet. This Ovadya has a position in the household of, in the palace of, of Achav, and it's not a small position, high ranking official. Vavadya Haya Yireyat Hashem Od. Ovadya was Yirey Hashem. Ovadya saves many of the Nevi'im and B'nai Nevi'im from execution, from Izevel, who's on a rampage of executing Nevi'i Hashem in the days of Eliyahu Navi. So you have somebody who's a high-ranking official in the house of Achav, and he's engaged in some type of activity which is running directly against a government policy. There's no question, this is against government policy. And uh, if caught, he would pay with his life. So Rashi, in source number two, identifies this woman as the wife of that Ovadya. 
And what Ovadiah was doing, and Chazal tell us he was a particularly wealthy individual, and used all his fortune to purchase bread and water for the for the uh, Nevi'im, to save them, but he ran out of cash, and he borrowed money from the prince, from the crown prince, from Yehoram ben Achav. But Yehoram ben Achav, he took the, he lent money with very, very stiff rebit interest. And when the Avadiah dies young, she's stuck with the bills of uh, repaying the loans and the rebit and the interest. So this is the opening number of who this person might be. Connecting Melachim Bet, Perik Dalid, with Melachim Aleph, Perik Yudchet. Now, just as a, uh, a, a background information, which will be, which I personally will be taking a, a different take on this, the very, very fine Sefer on Sefer Melachim by Rav Yigal Ariel, Migdash Melech, and he believes that the issue here was an issue of Tzadik Veralo and Rashava Tovlo. If indeed Ovadia was such a Tzadik, and he's so identified in source number four as Yerei Hashem and so on, and he saves the Vim, how is it that his widow is suffering so? And here she comes not only for help, but also for some spiritual guidance What's going on? Do I deserve this? Which is an obvious question that somebody suffering would ask. So according to Rav Ariel, the reason why Kadosh Baruch Hu intervenes with a miracle was somehow to set the record straight that a Kadosh Baruch Hu is still here. So while it may not have solved the suffering that she has undergone since the famine, and she suffered... And because there will be a resolution that does not negate those days and months and years of suffering, but at least it comforts her to know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is still around. He's still with us today. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to do this with a miracle. This is a very, very interesting take. Not so different, by the way, than our Rebbe, the Rav Zechon Levracha, in his Kol Dodidofek, trying to give some explanation, some theological explanation, to the establishment of Medinat Yisrael immediately after the Shoah. You, know, you don't want to say the Kadosh Baruch Hu wasn't around. All of a sudden, the Kadosh Baruch Hu pops up with uh, Rabim Biyad Me'atim and everything else that entails with uh, the establishment of Medinat Yisrael. So, this is a, a, possible, a possible way. But I, I'm going to plow a, a completely different course. Rav Yigal Ariel, he's the brother, younger brother, I hate to do this, the brother of, but the young brother of Rav Yaakov Ariel from Ramat Gan, okay? Ovadia in Tanakh. So we saw source number four, and source number four, it reads again, asher al So, al habayit, what does that mean? I said it's a high-ranking official. It goes beyond just being a high-ranking official. Um, We know that this kind of position is already mentioned in the Breshit. Yosef has such a position in the house of Paro. Paro tells Yosef, you will be in charge of my house. Just the throne. That's the only thing that will be above you. 
But alpicha yishak kolami, which means you have authority. It's a man with tremendous authority. And indeed, with regard to Yosef, it says that he was a shalit. In Breshit Perak Membet, Pasuk Vav, Yosef who was shalit ala aretz, he was a leader, was a political leader, a ruler, who a mashbir l'chol amaretz, he was the economic, financial uh, person, and everybody subscribed to him. So this is the tafkid, this is the, um, the job of uh, to be al-beiti. In modern jargon, someone who is al-beiti would be considered in the United States, Chief of Staff of the Oval Office, and in our country, Mankal, Menahel Klali of Lishkat Rosh Memshalah. And that's a very, very important position. And um, without even flipping through Tanakh, I just went through the various places of um, Al-Habayit, Imelachem Aleph Perak Dalit, Bachishar Al-Habayit, Melachem Bet Perak Yud, Bayishlach Asher Al-Habayit, Melachem Bet Perak Tedvav, just reading, just reading Psukim, just to get the feel that this position is mentioned over and over in Tanakh, representing somebody who is extremely influential on the king. But not just influential, but he's actually a, he's the person who's the implementer. He's the person who carries out royal policy. In case of Yosef, clearly, that's what he was supposed to do. <laughs> Bring food to and, and, and deal with the famine. Famine, if there was famine in the country, it spelled a political disaster for the king. So he needed somebody. And he's the right-hand man. And he has to be impeccably loyal to the king. And through the implementation of the royal policies, this makes it or break it for this particular person. The Melech and the Asher al-Habayit must necessarily be on the same page. Yet... Strangely enough, Achav, Achav is a devout follower of the Baal, as we know from uh, Malachim Aleph, in which the confrontation of Elio and Hara Carmel in Malachim Aleph Perak Yutet. Would it be logical for him to appoint an individual as his Al Habayit, somebody who is Yare et Hashem Me'od? Would that be logical? Would Achav not have chosen somebody as his right-hand man, somebody who is a, 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 a super worshiper of Avodah Zarah? Now, to be fair, there are those who actually have suggested that Achav was keenly aware of Ovadia's religious inclinations and did prefer such a person, almost taking the opposition, which sometimes is done in a coalition government, where you will bring somebody else in with a different point of view for a particular reason. The one who actually spells this out is um, the Malbum. You don't have it on the page, I'm sorry. But the Malbum actually introduces the idea that Achav was very aware of the fact that Ovadia was a tzaddik, and he wanted such a tzaddik in that position, because he was playing on two courts at the same time, which is almost indicated by Eliyahu Navi's line in Malachim Aleph Perak Yutet at Har Karmel, Ad Matai Atem Posrim Al Shnei Ipim. You can't be on both sides of the court at the same time. You're just going to have to decide. So there is some textual basis to this to suggest that maybe, perhaps, 
Ahav was aware of uh, of Ajah, who he was. And Malbum makes that comment, Shebiyamim Ha'ele, I'm reading Malbum now, in Malachim Aleph, Perak Yudchet, Malbum says, Shebiyamim Ha'ele, Shera'a Onshe Hashem, Mana Oto Tzadik Alabayit, Albeito, when he saw that there was three years of hunger and so on, and, and it's going to be very, very bad, he decided the, the, demonstratively to appoint a Yerei Hashem as someone who would be in charge of his household, of the palace. Maybe, perhaps, this would give him a schut. It says, That the ultimately, ultimately, maybe a Kadosh Baruch Hu is really the, the absolute divine, although he's with others, with the Baal, but he would like to invest a little bit. And spread uh, and, and and have this uh, you know like in in, in, a, in a financial type way spread the wealth a little bit and and therefore he does have somebody who's Yerei Hashem. This is Malbim's uh, position, but that may not necessarily be so, as we will see in a few minutes. So we have Malachim Aleph, Perak Yudchet as being source number one, as uh, mentioning Ovadia. We have Malachim Bet Perak Dalid by allusion. And I said it's a very, very accepted, very accepted amongst practically all the Parshanim and the Midrash that this woman was the wife of that Ovadia. But now comes the problem of source number seven. Source number seven. Chazon Ovadia, Koma Hashem Lokim Le Edom, Shmoa Shamanu Met Hashem, Vitsir Bogoyim, Shilach, Kumu Vinakuma Aleha Lamilchama. And source number eight, we all know this pasuk by heart. The whole Sefer of Adyar is one parak, the whole book, part of Treyasar. And it forms the Haftarah, according to most Minagim, for Shabbat Parshat Vayishlach. The Malachim Bet Perak Dalid is part of the Haftarah for Shabbat Parshat Vayera. And Malachim Aleph Perak Yudchet is the Aftarah for Parshat Kitisa when it's not Shabbat Parshat Para, usually in a Shana Muberet, like we had this year. Which means the three chapters that we're looking at are all Haftarot, which means that even the Yeshiva Bocha should know these Psukim. <laughs> I once told the uh, Dr. Brian Alevi, that Sefi Yeshayahu is nothing but an anthology of stranded psukim throughout Talmud Bavli. Because that's how many yeshiva boys are acquainted with psukim from Yeshayahu. I say this very sadly. And believe me, um, did much to undo the damage. Okay. Well, we have these three chapters. And the question is, Chazon of Adyah, who brings the vision of the downfall of Esav, is it the same Ovadia? Now we have people in Tanakh who carry the same name. That's not something terribly strange. So uh, if we take a look at uh, source number six, the Ibn Ezra. Ibn Ezra completely disassociates Chazon Ovadia with the Ovadia of Sefer Malachim. He says, Lo yadanu doro. We don't know the generation, the particular era of Chazon Ovadiah, Velonu Chalomar, we cannot say, Kuhu Aniskar Besefer Melachim Bime Achav. No, that we can, we must reject. It's not the same person. Why? Kisham Katuv Oktiv Vovadiah Yai Reyat Hashem. 
is very laudable. But Ilu Hayaze Hanavi Ba'atzmo, if he would have been a prophet, Echi Kerenu Yirei Hashem. That's all you're going to call him? Yirei Hashem? God fearing? If he was really a Navi? V'lo Yikreenu Navi? Ki Anavuah Yamala Nichbedet Biyoter. Prophecy is a much higher pedestal than just being Yirei Shamayim. Ulfidati says Ibn Ezra, Shmua Shamanu, what it says there, who did he hear from? Shmua Shamanu. Zanavi, he heard, Avadyaha heard the words of other Neviim, Yirmiyahu, Yeshayahu, Amos, Shitnabu al Edom. There were others who previously said words about Edom. Alkain Amar Shamanu. Avadyaha in Chazon Avadyaha is saying, I'm acquainted with what's been said already about Esav and the downfall of Esav slash Edom, and I just want to continue with this. That's Ebenezer's point of view. However, um, if we examine source number five, which is the Gemara in Masechet Sanhedrin, Daflametet Omedbet, we realize that Chazal actually had a different opinion and actually did equate Ovadya of Sefer Malachim with the message of Chazon Ovadya of the book of Ovadya. And it reads, Ktiv, it says, Vayikra Achav El Ovadya Asher and I'm just going to skip a few lines to the middle where it says, Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. Mepnei ma zacha uvadyahu lenevi'ut? Why did Ovadyahu become a Navi? Mepnei shechbi mea nevi'im v'amarai. He hid 100 prophets in the uh, in the cave. Shenemar v'hi v'achit izevel v'hi Hashem v'hikach uvadyahu mea nevi'im v'achbeem chamishim ish v'amarai and so on. Why did he do 50-50? Why did he split them? So Gemara says he learned from Yaakov Avinu, the Machanah Neshal Lefleita, you do these things, and I skip again. And then it says, Chazon Ovadya, Koam HaShem Lokim Le'edom. Maishne Ovadya Le'edom, what's the connection that Ovadya has something to say about Edom? Omar Rabbi Yitzchak, Amar Kadosh Baruch Hu, Yavo Avadyahu, Hadar Ben Shnei Rishaim, Ovadya, he lived in the household between Achav and Izevel, two great Rishaim, but did not impact on him. He remained a tzaddik. He will say prophecy on Esav Rasha. Shedar ben shnei tzadikim Yitzchak and Rivka. Velo lamad mimaasehem. So from here you see that the Gemara firmly believes that indeed it's the same Ovadya from Sefer Melachim, from the one who prophesied Ve'alum Moshim Bar Tzion Nishpot Arayisav in um, Sefer uh, uh, Ovadia. So I get back now to trying to understand trying to understand uh, what the mission of Ovadia was in the house of Achav. In that first source, we, in that source number four, which deals with Ovadia in the house of Achav, so now, Pasuk Zion, he has a mission. What happens is, Achav um, sends out Ovadja and he says, you know what, let's both of us split, split up, and we're going to look for food. We're going to look for food together. Can you imagine how serious the situation is? The king and his number one in the palace, they, they are going to split the map. And Baderich, on the way, Avadja meets up with Eliyahu Novi. 
ויהי עובדיה בדרך, והנה אליהו לקראתו, ויקירהו. הנה הם. עובדיה is not a stranger to אליהו, אליהו is not a stranger to עבדיה. ויפול על פניו ויאמר, אתה זה אדוני אליהו? I'm not sure what this means that, uh, uh, are you really Eliyahu? He, he was probably was in for a shock. And the reason is because Eliyahu was in hiding at this time, and you didn't expect Eliyahu and Novi to be wandering around the roads. Go back and tell your master, tell the Achav, Eliyahu's on his way. And Avajah is in for a very big shock. Because he knows that the minute he goes back to the palace, he tells Achav that I met up with Elio and Elio is coming, this is really the end of Avadiah's life. And we'll see why. He says, What did I do wrong? He doesn't even have to say it. He's going to execute me immediately. Just to bring that message for a variety of reasons. The Parshanim tried to explain, maybe Avadiah, had he been loyal to the king, should have Killed Eliyahu right then and there. Right then and there. If not, it is somewhat indicates that they had some type of a relationship. A relationship with the enemy. You're my top man. Whatever it is, Ovadiah was good and nervous that bringing this message back to Eliyahu, to Achav spells out his own doom. There's not a job that he didn't do for you. Whatever you wanted me to do. How can I do this? I can't do this. Why do I deserve this? It's almost like... Ach, Eliyahu is, is telling, is instructing Ovadiah to commit suicide. To commit suicide. And Ovadiah says, one second, I, I, I'm part of you. I've been with HaKadosh Baruch Why do I deserve such a thing? Because he knows that's exactly what's going to happen. I protected the hundred Nevi'im you see how much he's pleading over and over and over and over again and it's quite sure that he knows that this is his end no 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 you go and uh, I'm going to appear well what exactly happens here If we understand that, Elio, that Ovadiah was planted in the house of Achav as his man, then we can assume that Ovadiah actually had a mission. A mission of a, of a spiritual nature. In order to, um, to figure out why Ovadiah would be the perfect man for the position, when considering espionage, in any sense, military or industrial, what type of candidate would you take? You remember when we studied the United States history of World War II, there was a problem with Japanese Americans. There was a problem. The, the, the United States government herded them into all kinds of uh, camps, concentration camps, no other word for it. Because the fear was there would be a fifth column. The fear was a fifth column. 
The only thing is that if you wanted to plant a Japanese spy on the other side, you could do no better but getting a good Japanese American who would be loyal to the United States. So too, so too with any country. Um, you want to plant a spy. I mean, the famous spy here in Israel was uh, Eli Cohen, our man in Damascus. So uh, he came from that area. He spoke Arabic perfectly. He looked like one of them. That's what you need. That's what you need. You don't need somebody who uh, is going to somehow stand out. I mean, uh, just a few years ago, I was uh, with a group standing in Auschwitz, and a German man, 40 years old, comes over to me, and he says, Are you Jewish? I mean, I was trying to figure out exactly what he was asking. I, mean, I, don't, look, I don't look Chinese. There's a, there, you know, you, sometimes you look at a person, you already get a feel who he is. So uh, somehow or another, somebody who would be a, a man of Elio and Avi, you, you'd look at him and you'd somehow figure out that he belongs to a certain camp. Today, people identify by kipot, as Rabbi Levine said, the three different kipot. There's kippah shchora, kippah sruga, and kippah shkufa. That's uh, transparent. But everybody has a kippah. Everybody has a kippah. He said this in a very serious manner, by the way. Everybody has a kippah. The idea is everybody has a different kippah. So you can identify all kinds of identifying marks. And um, you want somebody who wouldn't have to learn the character trait of someone who Ahab would feel comfortable with. You would want somebody who would do things naturally. Naturally. You know, sometimes, uh, I say this with great pain, there's a course that's given at the uh, foreign ministry for Israeli di- diplomats to go to abroad, to Chutzlaretz. And I know this because I was once asked to participate in this, uh, to give over some pointers, a- a- and an Israeli ambassador has to know how to get an aliyah, has to know what to do at a Brit Milah, because he's going to be invited to the local shul, to a Brit, to a Chatuna. So uh, you figure he has a good time to teach him if he doesn't know by now. It's very sad that there are some Israeli diplomats who don't know how to conduct themselves at a Jewish ceremony. So they figure now's a good time to teach them. But when, he, when it comes to his aliyah, it, 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 it doesn't bring you know, much kavod to Am Yisrael if, the, if, if this happens. I mean, it's a famous story in, the, in Moscow. The Gabbai came over and asked, uh, so he wants to give an aliyah. So then, what's your name? He says, Moshe. He says, Ben, Shloshim Chamesh. No, Abba, Abba, Abba Shivim Mishmona. This happened. This is a real story. So you want somebody who naturally can, you know, fit in to the house of Achav. So Achav is running there, Beit Habal. So um, who, who would be a, a good candidate? Somebody who grew up in the confines of Eliyahu Novi? Not necessarily. We look again at source number five on top of the second page, but now the last line. It says, Amar Ephraim mi kasha'ah. Meir, a student of Rabbi Meir said, Mishum Rabbi Meir, the name of his Rabbi Rabbi Meir, Avadya Ger Edomi Haya. He was a convert from Edom. A convert from Edom, who was given the great schut of bringing the, the prophecy of the downfall of Edom. And one of the lines that Eliyahu hears from Ovadiah, back in source number four, five lines from the end, he repeats that he's Yirei Hashem, but he says, Avdecha Yirei Hashem minu'urai, from my adolescence. He's not an FFB. 
you know, from from birth, you know. He's not an FFB. It's not going to work on the Shidduch page. He was a goy. And he was an Oved Avodah And he knew the ritual. He's Midgayer. He converts to Am Yisrael. And he becomes a Yerei Hashem Me'od. That's very, very important because that's an appellation that goes way beyond somebody who's Yerei Hashem or Yerei Shemayim. I recall I once saw in the newspaper somebody was wishing Mazel Tov to somebody and it said that he was Yerei Shemayim Amiti. <laughs> An authentic. Yes. So I figure, how can you be a, well, you be a Yerei Shemayim Shikri? I mean, you can't be Yerei Shemayim Shikri, but today there are Yerei Shemayim Miktsoi. You have professional Yerei Shemayim. They do it for the business. So some people, Yerei Shemayim Shikri, he happens to be an Amiti. Said. But Yerei Hashem Me'od. Me'od. But only min orai. Min orai. Which means that he was a perfect candidate to be al-habayit in an espionage role for Eliyahu in the house. Born a goy, looked like a goy, must be a goy. Must be an over of And his being a Yeresh is top secret. I mean top secret. You said that, but Oved Avodah What's important is... No, 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 I'm not taking the question. Toby, Toby, Toby. No, 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 no. I want to point out that the issue of secrecy is a very, very important... I'm sorry. It's a very, very important issue here. Very important. To demonstrate that we're dealing with somebody who really had to keep a secret uh, throughout. The, um, there is a Medish Tanchuma. I'm sorry, it's not on the page. But it compares, it's Tanchuma, it's found in Parshat Chukat, Siman Dalid. And there's a comparison between the generation of Dovid HaMelech and the generation of Achav. It says, with regard to Dovid HaMelech, the um, uh, people did not, it says, Lo Tamu Tam they were studying Torah, they knew all the uh, 49 ways of Tumah and 49 ways of Tahara, they were experts it was a very highly charged spiritual generation. And yet, secrets were given out to Shaul, where David was hiding. People snitched. People talked. Couldn't keep secrets. And therefore, there were military defeats. But the Roshel Achav, where Kulan of the Abu Zara, they're all idol worshippers, you didn't have people who are spreading words and spreading rumors. They were victorious. So where do you see that they weren't spreading words, secrets? Because there were people who knew that Ovadiah was uh, hiding a hundred Nevi'im. That you can't keep top secret. Because from the hundred Nevi'im, somebody's got to have a big mouth. Somebody's going to blab to somebody. And that in the Beit Amducha, in the house of Achav, nobody catches wind of it, Chazal were very impressed. That those who knew, kept this information to themselves. Because it was vitally important to keep that information to themselves. Because of the secrecy. So, um, what was the mission? The 
The position of Al-Habayit, the position of Al-Habayit being chief of staff, Mankal, Menahel Klali, general, direct, director general of the uh, palace of Ahav, he was responsible for everything that went on in the household. He was responsible, most probably, for education for the household. He was responsible for food, for the economics. So obviously he fed the family of Achav first. He found money, his own and then others, to feed the 100 Nevi'im. But just as in the days of Yosef, when people came to Paro and begged for food, he had a very convenient response. Go to Yosef. He's the man. He'll provide. He's got the answers. If people came to Achav for food, he knew there's an address. Go to Avadya. He deals with economic matters. The king does not deal with this on a practical level. So you have a begging population at the doorsteps of Avadya. And there's no food because he's busy providing for 100 Nevi'im, which means 100 people of the city could not get food. Just try to imagine that kind of door slamming that took place day in and day out, by the hour, people begging for food at the royal palace, at the office of the one who's al-Habayit, and being turned down, and being turned away. There's no doubt that Mrs. Ovaja had to cooperate with this 100%. They had to live the part of being Ahav's loyal person. And many people suffered because of this. And Ovadia dies. And now the tables are turned around. And now she's stuck. And she's in deep debt. And the creditors are coming to take their snatch the children away as payment. So Akadosh Baruch Hu wanted that in order for her to be redeemed in a, cell, in a sense, she would also have to go through the experience of having the door slammed on her face as well. What Alicia sets up is an interesting mode of solution. Instead of just saying, here's a, you have a bottle of oil, okay, one, two, three, hocus pocus, and now it's a year's worth of oil. He didn't do that. He said, first, you're going to borrow kelim from the neighbors. Which means they have to now bang on doors and ask for kelim. For you know, the same people who just a while ago came for food to them and the doors were slammed on their faces. There's a certain midah keneged midah going on here. They would have to experience that embarrassment and that desperation because they, they knew that however they're going to get out of this jam, this mess, is going to be directly proportional to how many kelim they ultimately receive on loan from the neighbors. So some neighbors gave, some neighbors slammed the door, some neighbors didn't remember, some neighbors were generous and forgave. But it was quite an awakening for this woman. And um, of course, 
this could, the, the identity of her husband could still not be revealed at this point. The situation is still very fragile. So the whole miracle is going to be done visagarta delet, behind closed doors. Nobody's going to see this miracle. The only one who's going to know about it is this woman, this widow and her children, and Elisha, the prophet. Altamiti, don't don't bring a few kelim, bring many, many kelim. She's going to have to experience this over and over and over again. And therefore, when she tells Elisha in Malachim Bet Perak Aleph, Ve'atayadata, in source number one, Ve'atayadata, ki avdecha haya yireyat Hashem. Nobody else in the neighborhood had a clue who my husband was. But you knew it. You were in on it. You were the prime student, the Talmud Mufak of Eliyahu Navi. You knew it. And we cooperated. And now I'm suffering. Do I deserve it? So there was a quiet solution. There was a very quiet solution. And that quiet solution brought about her resolving of the debts and ultimate uh, Parnassah. She was able to live. Heroic acts actually was rewarded by heroic miracle. So, was Avadya, the author of the book of Avadya, a bona fide prophet? It's in Tanakh, it's in Kitvi Kodesh, it's in Treyasar. What kind of question? And we even saw that the Gemara said in source number five, What did he deserve to become a Navi? However, in light of the Gemara, at the end of source number four, that he was a ger, this opens up a whole discussion whether a convert can actually become a Navi. Can he receive prophecy? Well, it's a shir in itself in Machshevet Yisrael discussing the Rambam as opposed to Rabbi Yudah Levi, how to handle this. The Rambam was a more universalist on this and the Rambam believed that intellectual perfection was that which was a pre- necessary prerequisite, but not necessarily being born Avraham Yisrach Yaakov, as opposed to Rabbi Yudah Levi. Rabbi Yudah Levi, uh, he believed that the Vu'ah prophecy was relegated exclusively to B'nai Avraham Yisrach Yaakov. Now I remember, I remember um, one of the shiurim that I attended right here in the yeshiva. I'm dating myself, 42 years ago in the Yeshiva Taratzion with our illustrious Rosh Yeshiva, Rav Amital, Zechat Tzadik Lebracha, just last week was his fourth yard site. And we studied Sefer Kuzari. In my high school years, I never heard of the book, unfortunately. But here, Machshevet Yisrael was high on the agenda. And we were dealing with this issue of Rabbi Yudalevi, whether or not uh, a Goy can receive Nevu'ah prophecy. And Rabbi Yudalevi is of the opinion he cannot. The obvious question piped up, Bilam, Obvious question. What about Bilam? So I remember Rav Amital saying, there's no question from Parshat Balak. Why? If the Aton can speak, a Goy can say Nevuah. <laughs> that was his response. He says, in Parshat Balak, you don't have a kasha. But people have asked that question and have responded in different ways that Bilam may not have been a bona fide Navi Difference between Vayikra, Vayikar, and so on. That's also a shear in itself to define the 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 um, 
the connection between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Bilam. But you can argue that uh, Ovadia, so was he a Novi? Did he say Chazon Ovadia? Was, was he the one? Or did he write it down hearing it from someone else? Well, according to Rabbi Levi, according to Ram is no problem because a Ger can be a Novi. It's not an issue. But according to Rabbi Levi, it is an issue. So it could be several things. Number one, could be that Rabbi Levi adopted the, the point of view of his son-in-law, who is Rabbi Rom Ibn Ezra, that they're two Avadyas. Let's separate the book and everything I said now not relevant to Rabbi Levi. Chazon Ovadia was a Novi and Ovadia was Bnei Anavim. And simple as that of Sefer Malachim, it's not the same person. You can also use the exception rule. Every rule has an exception. So maybe he was a ger, and Rabbi Yudal Levi would say, Bilam heard Nebuah, Ovadia heard Nebuah. We have exceptions. That's a possibility. Or something a little bit more creative. Assuming, as we do at the end of, in Malachim Bet Perek that Ovadia never achieved Nebuah status. Never. He was Mibnei Anavim. He died Mibnei Anavim. V'yishachat Mibnei Anavim Tzakal Lishalemor. And hence he's never referred to as a Novi, that objection of the Ebenezer. He could still be the author of the book, Chazon of Ovadia. Why? Because we do have precedent where sometimes someone else is given credit for the writing of a mitzvah in the Torah or a piece of Nevu'ah. And it is, I'll give you an example. In Pashat Shmini, although there's difference of opinion, but at least there's a strong opinion, is what I'm going to say. It says, The prohibition of a coin to enter into the Migdash while being intoxicated, the word Moshe Rabbeinu is not there. So the question is, did Aaron receive the same transmission as Vaidaber Hashem El Moshe Lemor? The whole difference between Moshe and all the other Nevi'im, the Nevi'im, including Aaron, they saw images and they had to interpret the, the words there is a thing called style of Nevi'im. Two prophets don't prophesy in the same style. Because the style is human. So, when it says, It's always interpreted, Kadosh Baruch Hu gave it to Moshe, Moshe gave it over to Aaron. So Aaron gets credit as being the first one to hear the message before Klal Yisrael. But it's not that Aaron was privy to the Nevu'ah from a Kadosh with the transmission of a Kadosh Baruch to Moshe Rabbeinu. That's, you know, okay, that's easy. Vayedaber Hashem, Vayom Hashem, Moshe ve'el-Aron le'mor. Ha'chodesh le'lechem rosh chodeshim, and so on. And of course, it's given also to Aaron for certain reasons. Every local reason, every local, every place has a reason why Aaron's name was thrown in there. Because it doesn't always say Vayedaber Hashem, Moshe ve'el-Aron. Usually it says Vayedaber Hashem, Moshe le'mor. But a pasuk like Vayedaber Hashem el-Aron le'mor is very strange. To think that a Kadosh Baruch Hu gave Aaron the transmission, the same type of transmission he gave over to Moshe. And by the way, if you're a good Balkairi, you know that it's not the same Ta'amim, Trap. Because then, Vaydaber Hashem Moshe Lemor, it's Mercha Tibcha, Mercha Sof Pasuk. But in Parshat Shmini, it's Zakev Katan, Vaydaber Hashem. Right? Kama, pause. El Aaron Lemor. And I think that's done for obvious reason. That if you didn't take the pause of Vaydaber Hashem, your tongue would slide right into Moshe. Because the Pasuk, Vaydaber Hashem, Moshe Lemor, is so many times in the Chumash, that you wouldn't catch that it's El Aharon Lemor. So therefore, it's a different trap, it's a different Tamim, Vaydaber Hashem, El Aharon Lemor. And uh, so, what do we have here? 
most of the Parshanim believe that even Yayin Veshechar Altesh was given to Moshe, and that was given over to Aaron. And the only question is, why was it written like this? Ah, that was a reward to Aaron that he did not uh, argue the tragedy of the Dav and Avihu. They kept quiet. And therefore, Kedosh Baruch felt that he deserves to be given the credit for this particular section of the Chomish, no different than, for example, the, the, um, those who are responsible for the parsha of uh, Pesach Sheni, they were given credit for the parsha, and uh, Benot Slavchad were given credit for the parsha. Kedosh Baruch doesn't speak to them and doesn't speak to them. Kedosh Baruch didn't speak to Aaron personally, gave it to Moshe like all the other parts of the Torah, but Aaron is given credit. So there is precedent for this in other places in Tanakh as well. And hence, my suggestion is, that even according to the opinion, which I think is the should be the dominant opinion, that Ovadya never made it to Novi status. He was but a Talmud, a student of Eliyahu Navi, nevertheless, as one coming from Edom, and one who functioned in the house of Achav for an important purpose and task, he is giving credit for the message of Vialu Moshiim Bahartzion, Vishpotataraisav, Vaital Hashem Amlucha, in all likelihood, it, the Nevoah was through Eliyahu Navi. So, what did he accomplish as our man in the house of Achav? And this is now the postscript. The impact of Avadya in the house of Achav, that there was some spiritual influence, and there may have been some silent educational role model created, it influenced on two levels. If you look at source number 9, Right? Yoram is the son, takes over for his father Achav. Right. There's a certain precedent that kicked in from the days of Yeravam and Avat. That was too much to ask for. That this he's also going to undo. This he wasn't able to undo. As most of the Malchi Yisrael. Even later, the king Yehu, who's already Vayas, he also couldn't undo that which Yeravam and Avat kicked in. So you see that this was so entrenched in the, in the nation so certain things, Kedosh Baruch Hu realized, it can't go for broke, it can't, it, it's not going to happen, in that generation at least. But, Rak lo ke'aviv uki'imo is very, very significant. Because this slide, as I mentioned at the outset, the spiritual slide, from the days of Yeravam and Avad until the days of Achav and Izebel, bottoms out. Bottoms out. And from here on, it's actually going to be an improved situation. So indeed, the Melech that comes afterwards, Yehu, it's a much improved situation. But Yehoram, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's lo ke'aviv ukimo. And it could be that Yehoram himself took the cue from his father. Because Achav, something happens at the end of his life. Very, very, very important. At the end of the story, in Malachim Aleph, Perikaf Aleph, of uh, Kerem Nevot, where 
Achav, in, in using uh, royal powers, it just takes over land and so on, has, has an individual who owns the land, has him killed and so on. And Elio meets up with him and he says, yarashta in Perik Kafal Melachimah, Perik Kafal it's not on the page, Pasuk Yudzayin, Haratzachta Vagam Yarashta, and he prophesies what's going to happen to Achav and so on. Achav reacts in Pasuk Havzayin, Vayi Kishmo Achavet Advarim Eile, Vayi Krabigadav, Vayasem Sakal Besaro, Vayatzom, he fasts, Vayatzom, Vayishkav. Basak and a Kadosh reacts to this. I just said now it's going to happen a generation later. He is going to be spared. Do you remember when we say slichot on some gedalia? So in some Gedalia, we have a pizmon, a piyut, a central piyut, that begins with, Horeita derech tshuva levata shoviva, ben keser le'asor, adecha nashuva, hashiveinu Hashem alecha v'nashuva. The refrain is, hashiveinu Hashem elecha v'nashuva. And the paitan, Rabbi Binyamin ben Serach, of the 11th century, takes us on a tour of Tanakh, of the great Balei Tshuva. The first Balei Tshuva is Adam Rishon. The second Balchuva is is Cain, Cain, who murders Hevel. The third Balchuva is put together with the fourth is Ruvain and Yehuda. Ruvain and Yehuda. The fifth Balchuva, Paratz Gidrot Olam, Ben Omri Beresha. Who's Ben Omri? Achav. Salmei Ashirim Chashak Vosif Al Khatato Pesha Karata Gzardino Bishuvo Milifsha Ruham Kimodev Ozev Uvecha Nosha Hashivenu Hashem Elecha Venashuva. The last stanza, by the way, is Ancheninve. Ancheninve, which means the Paitan has crossed borders into the international sphere of Hosei Bichuva. But when you think about great Balei Tshuva in Tanakh, I don't think that Achav come, readily comes to mind. You usually think of Achav as being really the absolute, absolute worst. And yet, from the Psukim themselves, from the end of his life, and the way Chazal perceived them at the end, and the way the poets felt that we can borrow from this, for our own inspiration. What are these pizmonim? What are these piyutim? The preparation for Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachum Bechanun. Because that's what Slichot is. The saying of the Shlosh Midot. So the Paitanim helped us put ourselves in the right mood of saying Hashem, Hashem. Teaching us by precedent. So Achav becomes a tremendous precedent. Who could have helped Achav and his son Yehoram bottom out? if not for someone who was sitting right there in the palace all along, working in the service of Eliyahu Navi, working in the service of God. A word here, a word there, like splitting a rock with drops and drops, tip tip in. And Ovadia really had a very, very, very important role. So it's true that 
you don't have everything solved. You don't have everything solved. In source number 10, Chazal teaches us that we never always solve everything. In Perkei Avot, in the second parak, it says, Hu Omer, Lo Velo Ata Ben Chorin, Mimena. You're not expected to finish the job of Tikkun HaOlam. You just have to do what you have to do. That's all. Everybody has a shlichut. Everybody has a particular message, mess, a, a task. And you do as best as you can. And you hope for the best. And you hope that it's Siyat HaDashmaya to help you along. And you wait for another day for somebody to pick up and improve it even further. And therefore, Ovadia did his thing. And Yehoram does his thing. And it moves on to what would be hopefully a better situation. Unfortunately, as Malchut Yisrael develops, it turns around again, and then there's a Galut, Aseret Ashvatim, and unfortunately, in Yehuda, they don't learn from that experience, and there was a Churban, and here we are in the nine days, still mourning those days, but with a great feeling, with a great, great feeling, that uh, things have bottomed out for Am Yisrael, and uh, we are in an upswing, even though as Rav Mital taught us in the Yom Kippur War, that there are zigzags even in the upswing. We have to accept it as such. And it's not so simple. So I think we're going to, as we were asked to, end the Shi'ur with the saying of Tilim Kufkaf Aleph and ask Kadosh Baruch to protect our Chayalim and send with Washlema to all the Tzuaytzal and Tanchumim to all the homes of the Avelim. Shilamalot Esa Ainai El Heari Mea Yenyavoezri Ezri Mea Maduna Ose Shemaim Baret Al Yiten Lamot Raglacha Yanum Shamrecha Inain Layanum Laisha and Shamay Adunai Shamrecha, Adunai Tzilcha Yad Yeminecha Yomam Hashem Shloyakeka, Biyareyach Palayla Adunai Yishmocha Mikora, Yishmoet Nafshecha Adunai Yishmoet Zitcha Uveyecha, Miatabi Alulam Mishabar <laughs> <laughs>